The Talk of the Street is brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today. Yeah, Chesney said you were upset. Sorry, I've, I've got to get to work. Upset? Wait, unrecognisable? Look, it was just a bit of photo editing. Everyone does it. But you de-gingered me. Look, I don't know what the problem is. You look fab, fresh-faced, sophisticated. I mean, a lot of people would pay good money to look like that. Hello and welcome to episode 88 of the Talk of the Street and the unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast. I can't, can't help but wonder what parenting guides Fizz and Tyrone have been reading recently, but suspect they must have been reading them upside down in the dark with their eyes shut. I'm Gavin. <laughs> and I'm going to miss the good place. You're going to miss what? The good place. What's that when it's at home? The, sh- the TV show with Ted Danson that you don't watch. Oh, I, I'm not going to miss it then. <laughs> I will barely notice it doesn't exist anymore. No, oh, I'm Was it finished? Yeah, no. no. Finally finished uh, this past week, and I just now, Benny and I just now got to watch it together right before you came home, which is why I hadn't <laughs> moved the van yet. Mm. <laughs> it was very let's, good. Let's not pick at that scab. It was very good. Excellent. How's your week been? Well, Trying, trying to avoid the national and world news as much as possible. Yes, let's, let's try and keep politics out of this as much as possible, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> a bad day for that. That's, but anyway. Yes. Uh, other than that, it's, well, it's kind of been an okay week. <sighs> I, uh, I went up for city council on Monday. Was that this week? That was this week. Oh, it feels like forever ago. I know. <laughs> um... What happened was that the only one person ran, and then that person realized that he'd have to give up his position as a volunteer fireman. Oh, that's right. He didn't want to do that, so he resigned the day he got sworn in. This was my first experience of voting in November was for... <laughs> this one guy. A, a, an election with one person on the ballot who was going to resign immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to America. <laughs> Way to go, democracy. <laughs> Start as you mean to go on. I promise this November will be a, a bit more exciting. Right. Perhaps anxiety-inducing. Yeah. Politics yeah. aside, though. Yeah, so I went up and um, what they did is they took applications. And there were only two of us. And we were each interviewed by city council during the council meeting. And uh, it was a split vote. <laughs> so were you there when he was getting interviewed? Was yes. Well, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, well, yeah, and everybody else who was at the council meeting, you know, everybody else in the audience was there as well. <laughs> that was... doesn't seem quite as bad as your opponent being there. Who got interviewed first? He did. You'd think that would give you an unfair advantage. Yes, you, you, 
you would, and that's why I chose to go second. We flipped a coin to decide who who, who would go first, oh. or, or who would decide who would go first. And I called tails, and it was heads. And he said to me, well, ladies first. And then I said, age before beauty. And everybody laughed, and he got up and, and had his say. However, then there was confusion. Uh, it's just, it's it's a lot. So the long and the short of it is, is that I have to go and be interviewed again at the next council meeting on February 10th. <laughs> um, and perhaps other people will have applied by then because the other gentleman has, has withdrawn his name. He withdrew his name the day after. <laughs> what, what on earth is... Because he thinks that I would do a better job than he would, which is very nice of him, but I kind of wish he had... Well, why did they run in the first place then? I don't know. Why didn't I run in the first place? You did. Well, no. But I, I did this interview thing. But you didn't give place. up. No. But he, 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 he did say to me that the only reason why he put an application in like an hour before City Hall closed was because somebody had told him that nobody had applied yet when I had applied two days before that. Oh. You know what you should do in that situation then? <laughs> ask. Maybe ask. <laughs> Maybe ask someone who knows. Nah. Who knows? It's politics. No, it's, it's <laughs> stupidity is what it is. It's well, not no. He was, he's a very nice older gentleman. Doesn't mean he say he can't be thick. Very kind and very sweet. And is just like, you're great. You should definitely do this. I should. Do, you're you're better than I would be, and I'm like, thank you. Oh, yeah, the two women on really the two does. women on the council voted for him, and the two men on the council voted for me. <laughs> this is what's wrong with local politics. Is it's just too dumb for words. Oh, all politics are too dumb for idiots. Well. Anyway, we're, we're, we're getting, not just we're getting a close to problem. we're getting close to the edge again <laughs> on this. <clears throat> anyway, but that's that was really the only exciting thing this weekend or this week. Otherwise, it was a fairly quiet week because I didn't have any committee meetings or anything. You have some exciting news. Well, I have news. Well, I, I have a new job. I choose to find it exciting. I have a new job with the same company doing something different. Nobody asked me if I wanted to do or not. <laughs> You're a scrum manager or something now, No, yeah? I'm a scrum member. Part of the agile methodology, which I'm learning more and more about. Sounds like a, a problem to uh, bring up with your doctor. What, uh, being a scrum member? Having a scrum member. Right, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Zing! Oh, bravo. Call your urologist. But we're at the end of January now. Yes. Finally. Oh, thank God. How long did it last? It's 700 days in January, right? Isn't it? <laughs> it actually, to me, January this went by pretty fast. Compared to last year, do you know why? I think the weather's been much better. The weather is much better than last year. Last year, this week. Oh, we'll get to that. We had a, sn <laughs> we had a snow day, like, for the whole week. Right. The kids were home the whole week. That's right. We were home the whole week. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to shoot myself. Everyone was going crazy. Because I really enjoy, you know, <laughs> being the only one in the house during the day. <laughs> ah, not that I don't love you all. I do. <laughs> but everybody was going a little stir crazy because we were snowed in. Yep. So last year, snowed in. This year, 
very, very mild, not very much snow at all. So I'm learning about new terms like Scrum Master. To be a master. Who I think is going to... Scrum Master. Who I think is going to be who my current boss is. And then a product owner. And then there's a development team, which I'm part of. Right. And it said in the little handout, these are the people that do all the work. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> all of the work? All of the work. Okay. You're kind of used to that anyway, aren't you? I mean, no. Look at what, this podcast. Well, I work what I'm used to is working <laughs> on my own stuff and not working on anybody else's. But in this, it seems that everybody works on little bits of the same thing. And you're not going to like that. I'm not going to like that. And there's uh, daily meetings. I'm not going to like, like that. that. I'm Guilfoyle from uh, Silicon Valley, essentially. Anyway. Only with better hair. Mm, with less hair, certainly. Right. And it's better. You think? Yes. Shall we preamble, my dear? Please. Give me that scrum Cory news. <laughs> scrum up. This week at the 25th National Television Awards, Katie McGlynn and Peter Ash both took home awards. Congrats. Congratulations, folks. Yeah, at least the well voters. Deserved. Yes, at least the voters for newcomer and serial drama performance got it right. Sorry, Fleabag. <laughs> right. Mrs. Brown's fucking boys. I finally I understand Brexit. Oh, God. Again, we're dancing on a, <laughs> on a, on a pinhead here. Apparently, fans of, uh, of what's his name? The loud shouty guy who did the Golden Globes, who I don't like. Ricky Gervais? Yes. Fans of his show are pissed off too because it lost out to Mrs. Brown's boys. I only watched... Uh, you watched like one episode of I that. watched one episode and I, I quite enjoyed it, but that one episode didn't do anything to encourage me to watch mm -hmm. episode two. It was just so depressing. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Fleabag was like one of the best things I've ever watched in right. my entire life. Right. As was the Dairy Girls. It was depressing as well. It was depressing, but, but it was great. In a, in a good way, yeah. Yes, you still haven't watched Dairy Girls yet, have you? Oh, good God, no. I've been telling you to watch it for like months now. I, I watch Coronation Street and I watch Question Time and that's <laughs> it. <laughs> and I watch YouTube. I watch people play Football Manager on YouTube. <laughs> And I watch old Stuart Lee videos. That's what I do. Ah, oh, you're as bad as the kids. Bendy bananas. <laughs> I don't know if they can't do that. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Kenny McGlynn is taking her NTA and flying to LA. Our Sinead is <laughs> oh, moving. You said Katie McGlynn is taking her, <laughs> taking her ward and I had no idea where you were going after that. <laughs> Our Sinead is moving to California in hopes of making it big in movies and says she'd like to play someone sassy, a villain like Harley Quinn. Well, Margot Rob Robbie might have something to say about that, Katie. Yes. <laughs> Finally, sad news as Neville Buswell, who played Ray Langton, aka Tracy's biological, biological dad. Father, yes. On Corey in the 60s and 70s, has passed away in his home in Las Vegas. He was 76. He was in Vegas? Yes, that's where he lived. Wow. Yeah. Nobody knew about that. He died, like, right before Christmas, and it's only being reported now because somebody Nobody just... in Vegas knew that he was... Somebody just happened to notice that his name was in an obituary in a newspaper in Las Vegas and said, hey... I recognize that name. I recognize that that's name. That's Tracy Barlow's dad. Yeah. 
it's kind of <sighs> depressing, but it seems that's like he, sad, doesn't it? it seems like he got away from the limelight and didn't do much acting after that and moved to Las Vegas and, well, you know. Kind of good for him retrospectively and then yeah. kind of bad for him more, right. more recently. Yes. So condolences to his family. Absolutely. Our mailbag. Creed and Helen got in touch. Yay! My apologies for not posting for a while, she says. I wasn't feeling very well for the past couple of weeks, but oh, your podcast is the best medicine that always cheers Aww. me up. I found some interesting information about the actress Maureen Lipman, who plays Evelyn on Coronation Street. Did you know that she also portrayed another character on Corey? I saw that. Uh, Maureen Lipman was also Lillian Spencer, manageress of the Rovers, returned for a short time from July 1, 2002 to July 10, 2002. <laughs> So she was there for like a week. A week and a half. So this kind of piqued my interest and I looked up to find out exactly why. Uh huh. She was in six episodes between those two dates and it sounded like she was emergency cover for uh, Julie Goodyear, who had returned as bet-, bet Lynch recently and then had to suddenly leave on the grounds of ill health. So oh, no. it was like they kind of written a, a short story for Bet or for uh. Julie. She only did like half of it, so they needed to draft some someone else in. Uh. Kind of like the scene where, was it Sean that was having a go at Eileen about Jan? Uh-huh. We were watching that thinking, what the fuck does Sean care about this? But that wasn't meant to be Sean that was having that conversation with Eileen. It was meant really? to be Liz. Oh. But Liz was off because yeah, she wasn't well. Oh. So they had to draft someone else and who oh. else was it going to be but Sean. So when we were watching those scenes last year thinking... Why? why? Why is Sean getting his neb involved in this? But he That's wasn't. very interesting. Now, right. now, whenever something like that, because something like that happened quite recently, where somebody said to somebody, somebody was talking to somebody that they don't usually talk to. Uh-huh. So that must have, that must happen. So whenever that happens, it's probably illness. Yeah, we're or, like, oh, or whatever. Somebody's got the cold or gotta send somebody a get well card. Right. <laughs> interesting. Chris, yes, that one. He's on tour at the moment with the Kaiser Chiefs, and the Kaiser machine rolls into Birmingham. He says, if I had a day off, I'd go and quiz the pupil referral unit that employed Jade regarding the seemingly lax attitude to prospective employees' background checks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so recently he was in Blackpool as part of the tour, and he went to where the tram accident was that killed Alan Bradley, who was married to Rita. Yeah. And apparently they've got a... Uh, <laughs> The photograph that he sent me had someone lying over the, the tram tracks and the other photo had a little blue plaque that they have in Blackpool where it says that this is where the famous tram accident happened in Coronation Street. So mm-hmm. they've got like a plaque like it's a national monument type thing, which is quite strange. That's cute. Blackpool's odd. Well, smells of sick quite a lot. That's like... Uh, oh, this one. With our, it's like, I was um, there. Remember when we were in Salem and they had that statue of uh, Samantha and Bewitched? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That sort of thing happens. Hindsight Corner. So, last week we talked about Abby knocking down Chesney's door with the fire extinguisher. It wasn't, actually. It was Chesney who managed to kick down his own door. Earlier last year, it was Ches and Tyrone who barged into the smoke party, not Chesney and Kev, as I think I said. Mm. Then last week I reckoned that Tim didn't even need Charlie to sign anything And it turns out I was right What? All he needed to do was to get the court to officially serve the papers They've been separated for more than five years So he doesn't even need their consent 
He just needs to make reasonable effort to find her and then contact her. Then according to divorce-online.co.uk, the fact they were married in Vegas is irrelevant. Uh-huh. So. We knew that part. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> there we go. Slash you tonight with me, John Oliver. How many times do I have to tell you you're much more handsome than John Oliver? That's why I keep on saying it. <laughs> Just enough time to quickly talk about Pythagoras and clogs. Do you remember where that came from? Uh, was it from uh, S- Sophie's no. school? No. This was Evelyn's first appearance onto our intro sting. She claimed to be the best at cutting toast into triangles. Oh, that's right. She's per- Pythagoras and clogs, used to call her. Then, thanks, Nana says Ruby, and my heart melted. This was the last episode that we recorded with our faithful Blue Yeti. Oh, who uh, still sits, still sits with, regally on our um, on our it, table. Where it was last time you mentioned it. <laughs> Just <laughs> gathering ooze. It was freezing, and it was 10 degrees Fahrenheit outside. Yeah, it was ridiculous. The empty cup awards became a thing. 40 degrees today. Yeah, all the snow's just melting. There's yeah. hardly any left. Cookie Cat sneezed. Oh, that's right. Our Twitter follower count was 42. Woo! What's it today? Uh, 381, I think. Our our friend Karen Jones has 3,000 Twitter followers. Yep. Someday. My friend Steve's got about... uh, Not that one. My my Scottish friend Steve. Steve Fitzpatrick? Fitzpatrick. He's got thousands as well. Huh. But he takes about... Where he sends tweets about Celtic, about the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, about Kansas City Chiefs. He's a huge Chiefs fan. Who 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 does he want to win the uh, Super Bowl on Sunday? The Chiefs, then. <laughs> That's a stupid question, that was. And he's also a UX guy. I f- I forgot. That's who the Niners were playing. <laughs> 49ers are going to wipe the floor with the Chiefs. I don't think Sorry, so. Sorry, Fitzy. I think the, I think the Chiefs have going to. Do do this. Do what you think the Niners are going to do. The Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are going to do the Niners. Where did we get to? Steve and Tracy consider adopting Amy's unborn baby. Jenny's hitting the bottle following Johnny's dalliance with Liz. Seb's still banging on about adopting the twi- twins, like he thinks that's going to happen. Whose names we can't be bothered to learn. I still have no idea what they're called, and I didn't bother looking it up. Which twins? What now? Abby's twins. Oh yeah, they weren't twins, were they? Mm-hmm. That's why they kept on saying that the twins. Because the boy was bigger than the girl. Well, they clearly weren't identical twins then. No. That's why they just said the twins, not the identical twins. Ah. <laughs> Seb, oh, I just said that. Gary gets a new barber renovation gig and then lets Seb go. Peter's still working on the boat and gets his hole with Abby. I was obsessed with Carla's eyebrow mobility. And our moment of the week was Abby in court losing her kids. And our boring moment of the week was a weird extra asking Daniel for the specials menu. <laughs> and that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. And my I'm, stuff still hasn't updated. I'm, I'm trying to remember what Carla's eyebrows. She should uh, have a um, an eyebrow off with uh, Camille Nanjiani and uh, Eugene Levy. Do you think they'd both be up for that? Well, Camille Nanjiani and Devin Levy had an eyebrow off on. Uh, and Jimmy Fallon, I think it was, this week. So I think they would be up for it. Have you seen how, how fit I Kumail don't know what Nanji- we're talking about anymore. <laughs> and that was photoshopped. 
It was not. It was definitely Photoshopped. He is not, it was not Photoshopped. Kumail Nanjiani actually looks like that now. Because he's because he's got Marvel money behind him. Because <laughs> he's going to be in the Eternals. Sure. That's actually Kumail Nanjiani's body. If you say so. <laughs> I do. And men landed on the moon. Girl, they did. Same. <laughs> Timbot 4000 says this does not compute. Correct, Timbot 4000. You're spot on there. Oh, now I've got a notification about am I the asshole? And still my notes haven't updated, so I'm, yes, I'm going to have to... Yes, you are the asshole because you think... Through this. That's not really community funny. It is. It's not. It and by is. the way, 9-11 was an inside job. <laughs> Timbot4000 says this does not compute. You shut your mouth, Timbot4000. Shall we dive in with you? Did it finally update? No, it still hasn't updated. I keep, you know, making small talk about eyebrows to give you time. I'm just going to have to try and muddle my way through. (laughs) Our first storyline tonight is Bertie's measles. Ugh. We're only going to do Monday and Wednesday for this, and then Fridays we'll I'm going to put in with another storyline at the end. Okay, I was go- I was wondering if you were going to put those two storylines together. Right, that would make sense. Yep. but you're not going to. No, <laughs> and I can't now because this stupid thing won't update. On Monday, stop! You get your fingers off that. You. I am. Not- I'm saving that third one for later. You just. <laughs> you settle down. Later. Yeah, I've got, I've got a special oh, one for God. later. <laughs> you think I'm only going to do one Timbot 4000? It's like you don't know me at all. Oh, 22 this, minutes, this is, our, this is This is the fault of Ben Price fan page and our Canadian librarian friend who have encouraged you with this Timbot stuff. I was saying how wonderful and funny it is. I was running with it anyway. Whether <laughs> anybody liked it or not, I was always going to be running with this. <sighs> On Monday... <laughs> Peter is round at Daniel's. Bertie has a temperature. Daniel is worried. He's very worried, in fact. Peter mm-hmm. suggests going to the clinic to be on the safe side, but it's not open yet. So Daniel checks on Bertie and then shouts on Peter to call an ambulance. That kind of escalated quite quickly. Yes, it did. The ambulance men come round and check on Bertie. He's developed a rash and they want him to get checked out of the hospital. And Daniel's like, what rash? There wasn't a rash there earlier. He's such a bad parent. And he starts beating himself up. <sighs> and then later on, someone, someone's going to help him do it. Bethany and Sarah see Daniel and Bertie getting loaded into the ambulance and sit, and sit the, off. It's the world's smallest violin yeah, playing nobody. the Coronation Street theme song for Daniel. Oh, there's an idea for another little sound clip <laughs> oh, for next no. week. <laughs> so anyway, he's getting loaded into the ambulance and set off, and Bethany and Sarah set off to tell Adam and Beth. <clears throat> so Beth finds Daniel at the hospital. There's talk of meningitis. Peter doesn't think it's that because he's had his jabs. And suddenly Daniel's in need of some water. (laughs) Beth thinks this is Sinead all over again. Yes. Yes, Beth, because when you have... Bertie has cervical cancer. (laughs) When you have cervical cancer, you get a rash. And (laughs) you kind of need a cervix for that. Uh, (laughs) in In the pub, Bethany mentions going up to the hospital and Sarah wonders what's going on between her and Daniel and she insists nothing. Nothing. We're just friends. The doc tells Daniel and Beth that it's looking like measles and they want to keep him in isolation. She thanks Daniel for the warning, the doctor that is, not Beth, which surprises Beth and Peter and he has to come clean. 
he didn't take Bertie for the rest of his vaccinations, and Beth thinks this is a fucking joke. Sinead died from delayed treatment. Wasn't that warning enough? And that's a fantastic point, Beth. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Peter thinks that Beth should go and she leaves, and Daniel, quite rightly, blames himself. Yes. The least he could do is have a fucking shave. <laughs> <laughs> Then Ken turns up at the hospital with Simon, surprised that Daniel is an anti-vaxxer. Simon's back! Woot woot! And nobody said, oh, Simon, where have you been? <laughs> no! I've not seen you for months. It's like he's been in the house all this time and nobody noticed. Right. Daniel insists that uh, he isn't an anti-vaxxer, but it was horrible seeing Bertie suffer because he was crying because he got a job. Oh, no! It's just... This is why... This is why there are mums. Because... <laughs> Mums are like, oh, be quiet. It's almost over. It's not that big of a deal. And then it's done. Well, as we'll learn later, it's not all mums who think like that. Well, we don't know why that other mum didn't do what she should have done. But anyway. Daniel thinks there are enough voices on the internet to confirm the bias that he had. So Beth is in the pub and tells Sarah and Bethany about Daniel being a weak sap and not taking Bertie to get his jabs. Beth discovers that Bethany was up at the flat last night and she accuses Bethany of fluttering her eyelashes, refusing to leave Daniel alone and making Daniel cheat on his terminally ill wife. She's She's dead now, Beth. (laughs) She's dead. She's dead. (laughs) Yes. You can't cheat on someone who is dead. No, but... I know, I know what she meant, but still. The doc says that they're keeping... Let it go. They're keeping Bertie in overnight and they're hopeful that there'll be an improvement tomorrow. Daniel's pessimistic and tells everyone else to leave. He wants to be on his own. So, Ugh. Daniel's been a pussy as he tries to excuse himself. Oi! What? I, th- I thought we just established that a pussy would be a whole lot tougher in this situation than whatever it is that Daniel has between his legs. Okay. Daniel is being a... Tit? No, 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 no. No, because that's Tim's dad. Hmm. Wanker? Sure. Daniel's been a wanker as he tries to excuse himself uh, to Bertie for not getting his jabs done. He calls himself useless, and he is. Because he is. But Bethany arrives and says that he's not. She's wrong. She tells him to stop punishing himself. Keep doing it. And later, there is no real change in Bertie, and Daniel and Bethany hug. It's awful. He apologises and sends her away. So now we have to jump into another file that no longer exists. (laughs) Great. Where the fuck does one the file go? My Friday's not there. On Wednesday, stuff happens. Oh, God. Everything is gone. It's... It's right there. You think I can read... Do you think I can read that from here? On... Helen now thinks that we have a touchscreen computer. We do, just not that one. Can I? This would be Eddie. Here we go. On Wednesday, Creepy Bethany has slept at the hospital, not wanting to leave Daniel and Bertie on their own. Daniel apologizes for yesterday as Peter, Simon, and Ken drop in. They all go in to see Bertie, Bethany included. That was quite weird, Bethany. This is this is this what's happening just now is quite weird. Because you're standing up with the mic, holding it with your hand, reading what's on the desktop computer. 
Do you really need to explain all of this right now? <laughs> it was weird, though, because it was Ken who was like, no, Bethany, you come to the more the merrier to see this sick little baby. And let's spread some more measles. Bethany seems to spread uh, spend quite a lot of her time this week doing the kind of cuckoo clock, the cat cuckoo clock impression with the eyes just going left and right. Right. Wondering what's the right thing to do in this situation. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And making the wrong decision. Correct. Just like that clock. The doc tells The doc does not tell Bertie that his temperature has come down. The doc <laughs> tells Daniel your notes are shit. Well we all know this. <laughs> the doc tells <laughs> Daniel that is that Bertie's temp has come down, but they want to keep him in for one more night to be safe. Peter suggests Daniel goes home for a nap and a shower, and Bethany offers to share a taxi Uh-oh. because she can't just, just leave, him leave alone. it alone. Seriously, girl. Back on the street, Daniel is appreciative of Bethany's friendship, which he claims not to deserve, and he asks her to give him a call in a couple of hours. He goes inside, leaving her to look longingly back at him. Let it go. (laughs) Let it go. Daniel is woken up by Beth at the door. He fills her in that Bertie will be home tomorrow. She tells him he looks terrible and she's not wrong. He lets slip that Bethany has been helping out, and Beth tears a strip off of him for that until Daniel throws her out. Beth also needs to let it go. Beth catches Bethany on the street and demands she look Beth in the eye and say she's only after friendship with Daniel. Bethany can't, because obviously she wants a little more. (laughs) Beth tells her she'll never replace Sinead, which is true, but that doesn't mean that Daniel can't move on and have a relationship <laughs> after Sinead, Beth. Seriously, girl. My notes have updated now. Relax. And now, back to our regularly scheduled <laughs> talk of the street. Thank you very much for that. So that's our first storyline, and we'll pick this back up in our last storyline. Right. Our next storyline tonight is Jade in the House. Yo! Ugh. But on, she's not in the house. Yeah. She's on the street. Jade on the street. Jade on the street. <laughs> she's making nightmares come true. On Monday. Jade on the street. Fizz doesn't think that Jade should be let back into the house again, but Tyrone thinks running right. this by social services where it will inevitably inevitably be rejected <gasps> as a thing to do. No. <clears throat> Then they can say that they've tried their best, and Fizz avoids prison, and this keeps uh, Hope happy. Then down comes Hope, desperate to see Jade. Evelyn thinks this is fucking madness, and Fizz Fizz goes along with Tyrone's plan eventually. So the social worker comes round and thinks it's a weird idea to have Jade visiting after everything that's gone on, and they'll have to carry out a risk assessment. Correct. But she doesn't say no to the idea, because that's up to Fizz and Tyrone, she says. Yoinks. And Tyrone's like, well, are you sure? Because we'll take your word for it. Right. And the social's like, nope, totally up to you. Her name is Christine. And Tyrone's like, well, this is backfired some. We bet. Later, Tyrone thinks that they need a new plan. But Fizz, who didn't want to do this in the first place, thinks that they should now just hold their nerve. Maybe the risk assessment will come back as a no. And if it doesn't, they'll just have to deal with it. And then we see Hope in the school toilets, and she's turning on the taps and blocking up the, the drain right. and the overflow with uh, paper. Yes. 
this used to happen in my primary school all the time on a daily basis. <laughs> Two things that happened in the boys' toilets. Was it ever you? Maybe. <laughs> Two things that happened in Cantor Primary School uh, boys' toilets. It got flooded all the time, and people done jobbies and didn't flush them away. I suspect Duncan Ramsey. It was you. Not the jobby thing. I always flush my jobbies. Sure. Tyrone's at work and gets a call from the school about the lavvy getting flooded. The headmaster wants Fizz and Tyrone in pronto. At the school, the head tells them that Hope has admitted to the flooding, but the last thing that she wants to do is exclude Hope, although she needs to go home for the rest of the day. She wants Fizz and Ty to make it clear to Hope that this is not acceptable. Has anybody... Oh, I don't know. Between the social worker and the, the and the principal and Fizz and Tyrone, has anybody suggested... You know, this, this child's been groomed by this psychopath. Maybe we should get her into a little bit of therapy? <laughs> right. Has, has anybody suggested this? Right. Maybe even just explained what's happened, because nobody's really told her what's no, happened. No, nobody has explained this to her. Back home, Tyrone wants to know why Hope flooded the lavvy. Hope says that she wants to get expelled and for Jade to uh, homeschool her again. And that takes her own by surprise. Really? When they're on their own, Tyrone thinks the only way to ensure Hope doesn't get thrown out of school is to let her see Jade. <sighs> <sighs> Timbot4000 says this does not compute. Seriously, for once I agree with the Timbot because... What do you mean for once? This is so freaking ridiculous. When you have a child who acts out to get her own way, the way to solve it is not to give her her own way. <laughs> because just... then they become adults. You think they should always get their own way. Right, and, and then, then vote for Brexit. Oh, we came so close. We didn't really. <laughs> so yeah, he thinks that if the social say no, then they should uh, let it happen on the quiet, which is just even worse. Mm -hmm. Fizz is appalled and looks like she might agree. Fizz meets up with Jade at the Metaphorical Community Garden. Fizz says that she won't see hope unless she passes the assessment. Jade says her mum told her the truth about her dad now. John never knew she existed. It was her mum who sent the card. So you were right, you said this last week. This is so hard, but she needs to see her sister. Fizz reminds her that she messed with Hope's head. Jade says that she would never hurt Hope, and she knows what she did was wrong, and she's sorry. Yeah, why does nobody understand that this has hurt Hope? Right. Everyone's like, oh, Jade, you know, Jade's crazy, but she would never hurt Hope. This has hurt Hope. Yes. This has hurt her mentally and emotionally. This has caused hurt on a child who was already having issues she was already on the serial killer right spectrum it's just uh Hope. and also before before jade decided to go on this psychopathic journey to try to get hope from fizz Maybe she should have talked to her mom first. Said, oh my God, you'll never believe who's here uh -huh. and, and what's going on. I mean, and she says that her mom explained everything to her. And then she only talks about the cards. She doesn't say, oh, and my mom said that actually you didn't turn him crazy and everything. Sorry about that. Right. So. And by the way, how come my dad's handwriting was exactly the same as yours? Right. <laughs> hope doesn't. No, hope. Jade doesn't expect forgiveness, but she wants a second chance. She's lost a mum she loved, a dad who never existed. 
all she has now is hope with a capital right. H. Right, because now, now she and her mom aren't talking because she's mad at her mom for mm. all the cards. Because her mom, you know, took the time to write cards <laughs> and create this false relationship just to make her daughter feel better. <laughs> so now she's not talking to yeah. her. Fuck Maybe you, you should have talked to her first. And then none of us would be in this mess. Jade, if that is your real name. Wednesday is lovely, though. Because on Wednesday, we've discovered that it's fancy day, fancy dress day at school. Ugh. I don't understand this. <laughs> I, I don't understand how all of these... I... All the kids in Coronation Street on Wednesday are dressed up supposedly as uh, endangered species. Right. So why is Hope dressed as a crocodile? Because they're endangered. Are they? Yes. I mean, I don't know if Ruby's a tiger. That, because that makes those sense. are endangered, yes. And uh, Liam is dressed as a penguin because penguins will be extinct soon thanks to global warming, which he explains to Ali. We'll, we'll, we'll get to all this. And Joseph is dressed as a black bag. <laughs> but then he's an orangutan because we'll get Summer to has well. a costume, for some reason, of an orangutan in her closet. You so, know orangutans are endangered, right? I know that, thanks, yeah. Thanks to all the palm oil. Christine calls Fizz to arrange a meeting with the kids later to discuss Jade. Ruby is disappointed that she's going to miss the polar bear picnic. Fizz hates the idea of Jade hanging around again. So why are we going along with this? So the socialist chatting to Hope and Ruby. Hope says that she just wants to see Jade again. And then Christine asks Ruby, and she just roars at the moment because she's in character. A tiger. She's yes. in character as a tiger, which Hope was bloody adorable. And then Hope calls Ruby stupid, which is a bad girl. To which Ruby says... Right, yes. And, you know, it seems like the social worker sucks a tooth at this because, Mm -hmm. as it should, because it it shows that Hope is exhibiting some of the behaviors still, some damaging behaviors from her time with Jade. (laughs) But nobody seems to care about that. Nope, because the social think that the girls seem very keen to see Jade, so uh, now they have to assess her. Apparently she can can, uh, translate roars. If that comes back okay, then they can arrange a structured visit in a couple of weeks. Social advises Fizz and Ty not to overpromise anything, especially with Hope. Jade went nuts and it was a serious situation. And Christine needs to make sure that Jade realises the damage that she caused. Yes. Then Tyrone is having a hard time getting beans out of a tin. So Fizz and Ruby share a hug with them. And that's as far as we get with that this week. And Hope does not hug anyone. She's not even in the room, is she? No. Well, I think she comes in as like glaring at everybody else from the doorway. Where's 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 Nana? Yeah, she got the week off. Nana got the. Oh no, she was on the Monday. She yes. got the day off. And she had a week off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <coughs> She's got the flu. Yeah, I'm Scottish and forty-six. I've heard that joke before. <laughs> Or we calf, as we call it. So this storyline always had elements of the nonsensical about it. And it continues to have elements of the nonsensical about it. And they, kind of, and they seem to have doubled down, I think, a little bit on this. And once again, we have like a villainous, evil, crazy person all of a sudden is fine and is sorry and is painted with a bit of a sympathetic brush. Again. She seems to be rehabilitated. Completely. So maybe from, from 
From what? From from the knock on the head with the cutting board, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe that knocked some sense into her. And the fact that, you know, the social workers and everybody said, yeah, no, you're crazy. Finding hope cold in a graveyard seems to have been the catalyst towards this. So do you think Jade is re- rehabilitated or no. do you think it's all an act? Yes. Okay. So she's going to get back into the house and what, does this whole thing just start over again? I don't know. This whole thing is just ridiculous and does not make any sense. And again, stop trying to rehabilitate villains. Let people who are baddies stay baddies. Our next storyline tonight. Except Gary, because he's rubbish at being a baddie. Two-timing Tim. (laughs) It's not really two-timing. On Monday, Charlie's making herself at home at Tim's using Faye's beauty products and having baths. Well, or she thinks are Faye's. She's moving into the pub now, but thinks it's been lovely spending time with him. She's been cheated on before, but got her revenge, and this is enough to make Tim forget to come clean about Sally. Right, because he was about ready to to do do that. Abby's all dolled up and her walk of shame takes her into Roy's roles. Tim comes in and fills her in on the Charlie situation. Leave it to me, says Abby. She'll take care of this because Abby is the only person who can take care of anything. Right. And it was funny because when she comes in, Aggie compliments her on her dress and everything and says, oh, don't you look fab? And then Tim walks in and tells her she looks horrible. (laughs) She did look fab, didn't she? Yeah. Well, I mean, her hair was a bit mussed and stuff because she hadn't been home yet because she was on the walk of shame. In the pub, Abby tries and fails to get Charlie sacked for being a thief, but instead Charlie seems to have found a soulmate in Jenny. Not surprising. Correct. Tim chats with Kev. He doesn't want Charlie sacked, but needs to find a way to convince her to leave. Jenny goes on about Sally, and Tim pretends that that's his sister. Jenny's, Jenny's a bit confused by all this. Yes. Chat with Charlie, she reveals to Tim that she hasn't handed in the... Divorce papers. Divorce papers, yeah. Tim flatters her, telling her that any man would fall over himself to have a go in her fronties. And seriously, Tim, you want to get rid of this woman. Stop complimenting her. Right. Especially in such a gross way. On Wednesday. Well, he might not have said exactly that. Well, no, but he... On Wednesday, Tim and Abby discuss the Charlie situation. He's been working on her to go back to being an air hostess and has been looking to get a job for her. Abby encourages Tim to get her signature on those divorce papers before she rides off into the sunset. Tim learns from Charlie that she hasn't quite signed the docs yet, but she's applied to become a flight attendant. She shifts his fuck, though, and refuses Tim's offer to drive her to her solicitors. Then Tim catches Charlie in the rovers. She tells him the job is more or less in the bag. She's here to hand in her notice, but the solicitors have told her that it'll be a few days yet before they can get the paperwork back to him. Steve mutters that Sally will be home tomorrow. Then Imran comes in and clocks Charlie and suggests to Tim that it might be an idea to hurry this whole thing up. Imran's been doing a lot of business this week. He has. Mm -hmm. Then Charlie chats with Jenny about her aviation days, suggesting that she may have had three minutes of the most uncomfortable sex in her life in a tiny toilet at 30,000 feet. Oh yes, they talk about the Mile High Club. Then we see her with what looks suspiciously like the divorce papers, unsigned and definitely not with her solicitor. Mm -hmm. Then on Friday, Sally's home. Happy Yay. to see the house is still standing. She reluctantly gives Tim a hug. She makes it clear that she's still pissed off with him and he tells her that it's all in hand and that he'll be divorced by June. Sally's just relieved that no one on the street knows about Tim's bigamy. Yoink. Oh, well. So Abby's round uh, at Sally's for a chin wag. She tells Sally that Tim has been missing her like mad and promises to sling her hook later so they can get their hole off each other. 
Sally confides in Abby about Tim's bigamy. bigamy. And Abby says, what? Shocking. <laughs> I'm so shocked. I never knew this. It's this just... is so surprising. How is this possible? Oh my goodness. Somehow, Sally manages to see through her immediately. Well, so long as it's just Abby who knows. Yoink. And then Abby clutches her collar a little bit at this. And the rovers, Charlie has got the flight attendant job after all. Yay! Or so she says, I'm not sure this is... Does this... This doesn't happen, does it? No. It happens on this show, let's remember. She says it's Tim she has to thank for this, and Liz, who's at the bar, is confused to hear this. And so is Jenny. Tim meets up with Charlie and the rovers. Charlie toasts the two of them, which confuses him, and then says the, solic- the solicitors still haven't had the time to deal with the papers. Hmm. And then she admits to not sending them off. Charlie has developed feelings for Tim and wants to give the marriage a go. <laughs> she clutches his hand on top of the uh, the table that they're sitting at. And all and this everybody is, is watching. Everyone is watching this. And everyone like, is listening in. And they all overhear just as Sally walks in with Abby. Abby kind of clocks the situation. I was like, oh. Oh, shit. Oh. Charlie thinks that Sally's Tim's sister. Sally says that she's his wife. Charlie's confused by this until Tim explains. Yeah, she's like, wait a second, I'm your wife. Then why have you been fawning over me, asks Charlie. And Tim says that he hasn't, but he was just trying to be nice to get the divorce through. Well, you've acted in the weirdest way imaginable, says Charlie. And Steve sticks his neb in at this point to tell Charlie that he and Kev advised him to be up front weeks ago. And Sally is furious to hear this. Right. And hear that everyone already knew. Well, Liz and Tracy and Jenny didn't know, but they know now. And Tracy and Liz are furious at Steve <laughs> You didn't tell them sooner. It's a pretty funny scene. I quite it enjoyed that. It was a great scene. I loved it. Charlie throws the unsigned divorce papers at Tim and leaves. And then Sally leaves at the back of her. Abby tells him to go after his wife. Which, Which one? <laughs> Asks Tim with a straight face. Outside they get Sally and uh, she says that Tim's lies have got them where they are and she's humiliated and she doesn't think that this can be fixed. So she encourages him and she has been encouraging him to own up to his problem, own, own up to the issue and do the right thing and right. be a man. So he interprets this as go and confess to the police. <sighs> so that's what he does. He goes to the police station, tells him that he's a bigamist and he's here to take his punishment like a man, he says. <laughs> Bend over. Then Abby and Sally are home. Abby doesn't know how he got one woman to marry him, never mind two. In comes Tim and Sally's ready for his apology. Well, that's good, says Tim, because I've just confessed to the police. You fucking what? Says everyone. Yeah. So later, <laughs> Sally has packed a bag and Tim has learned from Charlie on the phone that she's signed the papers finally. The divorce is going to go through. Now Abby has found that the news has reached the Weather Gazette's website. Yeah. Former mayor in bigamy scandal. Who do you think told the, the newspapers? Hmm. It's got to be Tracy, hasn't it? <laughs> or Jenny. <laughs> probably, probably I can Jenny. imagine Jenny doing Sticking it too. Or, you know, maybe there was a uh, reporter in the rovers when it happened in one of the other booths that we didn't see because there were other people there sure but in total maybe 10 people know <laughs> still it so was one like of them. ex-mayor in bigamy scandal right that settles it for sally she's glad that she's not his wife and she thrusts the bag at him fucking bolt your chancellor she says and that's as far as we get with that this, this week so where do you think tim's gonna land oh it's steve's no obviously no Oh, the being being the rovers. I think. Or oh, is he going to sleep I, with the cab office? I think he's going to land at his dad's. 
And I think that's how that situation is going to get resolved. Oh. Oh, that gives me some hope. <laughs> Just a little hope. Yeah. With a broken arm. Right. Dressed as a crocodile. Yeah. Uh, hmm. I didn't expect this to go in this direction. Yeah. I didn't expect to see Charlie again. Yeah. Which has been great to see Charlie. Yeah, no, she's great, but... Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I expected this to be just this little funny one-off thing. And then we weren't going to talk about it anymore. But and then that, Charlie showed up. Th- there's been, and it got interesting. Yeah, and there's been comedic points through this. There's been Absolutely. bits that, that made me laugh. But her, her leaving was quite serious. And now her throwing him out yeah. is quite serious as well. It feels yeah. like it's taken a little bit of a turn. Well, we I mean, knew Sally was not. Again, we knew Sally wasn't happy about this, so we'll see. And you, and now that it's now that it's in the papers and everything, I don't think there's any. Cause Sally really cares about what other people think of her, a lot. Right, and she admits that. She does. She says it might She's be shallow, honest. but that's who I am. Right, and shallow. She can't help it, and she doesn't. And she doesn't want to change. Nope. That's that's who Lady Gaga was singing about in that movie. That's a terrible song. I don't know how that won an Oscar. Sha ha 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 lows. Oh, that's wonderful songwriting. Congratulations. The, the, the verses were better. Mm, anyway. <laughs> that's put me off that storyline now. Let's, let's move on to... The Do you fo- think Tim will go to jail for being a bigamist? No. Like you said, he's not... He hasn't done this to harm anybody. It's done to... Well, I know that ignorance is no excuse. But, it's really not. But... Honestly, been done for ignorance. He's had, but he's but been, honestly, the cop when he says it, the cop looking at him is kind of like, "Okay," <laughs> you know, because he's acting like you know he's. It was weird. Anyway, photoshopped quads. Huh. On Monday, Gemma reveals to Paul that somehow the police have caught the fire bombers. Well, it's a good thing that they can do one thing right. Right. So they managed to catch this these people with no witnesses and no evidence but good for them and freshcos cctv freshcos have decided to use Gemma and chesney in their advertising after all well that's good paul's put a door from the skip on the house and it's split like a like a, like farm a barn door, door. <laughs> yeah and it was funny because Gemma's like oh you know what i kind of like it and then all of a sudden ed opens the top, the top section <laughs> hello because <laughs> he's in fitting off uh, security alarm. Yes. Inside, Paul and Gemma talk about Bernie. Yeah. Gemma insists that Bernie loves him, and Paul thinks he might actually miss her. Ed confirms that the security system is up and running, and it immediately goes off, waking up the quads, and he can't get it to shut off. They finally Funny. get the babies. Yeah, that was great. Finally, <laughs> they get the baby settled, and Chess suggests that they all go out for a nice walk. So Chess and Gemma have taken the kids to the metaphorical community garden, where they're eating pie and chips. This is what they do on their one day off. And on Wednesday, Joseph is dressed in a bin bag. Chesney thinks it shows the cause of environmental crises that, uh, but he'd been, but he'd promised Joseph to make a orangutan costume. Not that Paul and Billy come in with the very costume. Did they get it from what? Uh, from someone? Yes. Yes. And Paul. Yeah. Peter or Paul. Billy. Billy. And they offer to give Ches and Gemma a break, and Gemma agrees reluctantly. So they're getting another little break here. And all they seem to do is go back to the community garden and uh, then 
enjoying their baby-free hour by talking about babies. Mm-hmm. Ches wants a snog, but Gemma backs off, worried that she's not attractive anymore. She's exhausted, blotchy, and leaking milk all over the place. Ches does his best to convince her otherwise, but then they see the advert on the back of a bus, and it's not quite an accurate portrayal of the family. No, they've... I didn't even think it was Gemma for the longest time. It, it is her. It is her. And it is him. Right. He's got... Brown that, hair. Right. And they've taken a few pounds off Gemma. Let's be generous, shall we? That's what they've done with They made a kind of hourglass like they do in magazines and stuff. Right. Which nobody believes that a woman who just gave birth to four babies looks <laughs> it's like that. It's going to look like that, right? Sorry. Uh, yeah, she's pretty unrecognisable. Ches and Gemma get a look at a bigger post at the tram station. Abby asks for their autograph, saying it's amazing what a couple of filters can achieve. Mm-hmm. Then Tara comes round and doesn't know why they're all pissed off. You've de-gingered me, says Chez. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> Look, says Tara, everyone photoshops stuff. And then she tries to briefly sign up Paul to be a model. Was it Paul that she was signing work up out or was Paul it Billy? Billy? It's one of the two. I'm it's got to be Billy. Both. Oh, that's unfair. He's spud-faced. Come on. We've, we've, we've seen him in a towel. Oh, let's not talk about that again. <laughs> Gemma is fucking furious. She's taking the contract round to see Imran, see what he can do about this pish. So Imran reads over the contract. The bad news is that the contract gives Freshco's full creative license to Photoshop whatever they like. And it's pretty airtight. Yep. Well, what's the good news then? Well, there isn't any good news. Yeah. <laughs> maybe Take show the me money and run. Maybe show me the next contract before you sign it. He says. Yeah. And he advises them to tread carefully because if they terminate the contract, Freshco's will sue the fuck out of them. Gemma's not happy and storms off. Paul is still at home reading the sports pages to the quads. That was adorable. I love that. Gemma storms in, super pissed. Paul reminds them that they're still getting paid, but Gemma doesn't want to hear it and rushes off with a wallpaper scraper and a demonic look in her eye. She's trying to break into the screen that's holding the poster at the tram station, I think. Mm -hmm. Chesney says the last thing that they need now is a vandalism charge. Gemma explains how she's feeling. She's tired, she stinks, her body isn't her own, and now this fresco's shite. Chess says that she has four babies who think that she's the best mum in the world and that should be making her happy. Gemma doesn't want the quads to be ashamed of them. If Freshcos can't see how special Gemma is, says Chesney, well, that's their lookout. It's, it's, I couldn't work out if Chesney's helping here. He thinks he's helping. Right. Is he, though? It, de- it depends upon where they're going with the storyline. It feels like... Like we've talked about this in the past couple of weeks, how all they're doing is continually showing Gemma and Ches exhausted. Mm-hmm. But do you think she's maybe getting a bit postnatal? Yes, or postpartum, postpartum, as we call it here in America. Postpartum. Postpartum or postnatal. Right. It's weird because we call them pre we call them prenatal vitamins, but then it's postpartum depression. I don't know why. Um, yeah, I. If they were smart, I think that would be the way to take this because just having it like, oh, she's just, she's just a tired mom. It's fine. Doesn't, it's not really that interesting, especially with four babies. No, it's not just. But at I all. think, I think, you know, taking it to talk, giving an opportunity for the show to talk about postpartum depression, which honestly doesn't get talked about enough. I think is the right way to go because you know you you can't and I th- I think what they're doing right now 
is pretty good because I'm glad that they're not doing what Freshco's is doing and kind of just putting a glaze over the whole thing and showing her, you know, all happy and, and fine right. and with her hair brushed and everything every day and everything. So since we've learned it's quads, it's been kind of a, I think it's meant to be a comedy storyline. Everything, everything about it is supposed to be kind of funny. The ridiculous, the overblown nature of the story, well, the, the, the overblown nature the of Gemma. The birth was ridiculous. The birth was ridiculous. Would this be, I think this might be Gemma's, if it does go that way, would that be Gemma's first real meaty storyline? You know what, the, if you've been affected by this storyline, storyline? Well, she was kind of involved in, in um, Paul's. If you've been affected by the storyline. On the story periphery, line. though, she wasn't really a main player in it, I don't think. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, I mean, we're not done with the storyline yet. No, of course week. not. No. So we should probably finish talking about it. Okay, so on Friday, Chesney is back from the shops or whatever. Gemma is struggling to get one of the quads down. Chess suggests that she goes to get a shower and then heads off to the pub. So that's three days in the trot that she's getting a break. Which is nice. That's what she does, and she goes to the rovers with Emma. Along and she comes gets Liz. A shower and she looks really nice. Yep. Along comes Liz, who says Gemma's famous now. She's seen the post and thinks it was gorgeous. They make a lovely family. But Gemma is still worried that she's a munter. But, but Emma and calls Gemma a hero for having pushed out four kids and calls her fab. And they all agree to go and get a kebab. Right. But and she says, Gemma says, she only pushed, only one, pushed out. one out. The other three came out of the sunroof. The sunroof, yeah. And this she is, makes that joke twice. This is where the show lost me because... If you've given birth by C-section, you know it's not a walk in the park and it takes even longer to recover from a C-section than it does from a natural birth. Didn't take her very long to recover though, remember? She was I've, I've sprinting it. about the place and doing American Ninja Warrior within half an hour. Of- yeah, which was, yeah, and we talked at that point about how ridiculous that was because they've taken your insides out to get to the baby yes. and then put your insides back in you. So it's it's not a quick recovery. Right. I did it twice. Back home, Gemma has come home in the mood to get her hole. So that's what happens. Yay! And that's as far as we get with that story on this right, week. Right, and, and Chesney's worried that she may not be okay down below, and then she makes she, the sunroof joke again. Again, yeah. right. I don't know if that was deliberate or not. The same joke in two scenes. Uh, and I mean, even that's not accurate, the... because it's it's not really a sunroof. <laughs> Too much. Well, it's not, it's not made of glass, certainly. No, and it's not really that big. On to our next one then, which is Sarah's wedding. Only two scenes for this. On Wednesday at the Knicker Factory, Sarah reveals that Adam wants a Charles Rennie Macintosh theme for his wedding. Which is classy. That is classy. And she also doesn't know what neeps are, because she's a monster. Neither does Nick. Oh, it's something Scottish, she says. Oh, it's something Scottish. Ha 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 ha. Stunnocks. Ha 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 ha! Oh, we don't know what neeps are because we are fancy and, Southerners. and English right. and everything. And suddenly, I understand the Scottish referendum much better. Oh, again, it's, it's interesting that you're Indy doing Ref what, two. <laughs> so, it's going to be a small affair, just the family, says Sarah. Well, that'll be a few hundred then, says Nick. Ha ha! And he's surprised that Sarah hasn't been dress shopping yet. We've got some Macintosh designed. Um, Cups, I think. Yes. That we got from your mum's. Mum's house, yeah. yeah. They were originally mine. Were they? Mm-hmm. They're pretty, I like them. Nick moves around a couple of meetings to free up Sarah to go dress shopping with Leanne. He apologises for not being the best big brother lately. And that was really sweet. I really liked that scene. Yeah. And that was it. Yep. Didn't come up again. 
I really liked that scene. That was a good scene. Our next storyline tonight. It's Tim's fucking dad. I don't want to talk about this. Can we just can we just not talk about this? Because it's so horrible. I am Timbot4000. Tim's fucking dad can go and fling shite at himself. That's what Timbot4000 thinks about Tim's dad. Hard to argue. Yep, hard to argue. Alia turns up at Speed Dial. She hasn't spoken with Yasmin for ages and asks for a chat. This was all tonight, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yasmin asks Tim's dad if that's okay, and he pretends that it is, then immediately looks furious about it. Yasmin insists everything is great and goes back to work. Alia's curious how things are at home. Yasmin says that her drinking is under control, thanks very much. Tim's dad watches on and listens on suspiciously. In the kitchen, Yasmin is busy cooking. Tim's dad suggests entertaining the punters with some card tricks. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Go the fuck away, you fucking asshole. Nobody wants to see your fucking card tricks. Yasmin isn't paying attention and Tim's dad thinks this is because Alia was talking to her about her drinking. She says it has nothing to do with that. And then an actor in a speaking role asks if Table 2 have paid. And apparently they have. <laughs> do you think they really have? I or? don't know. I don't know what that was all about. Nothing kind of came of that. I, I, have, a f- I have a feeling with Alia gone and... Yasmin being cowed by Tim's fucking dad that Speed Doll is going to be in financial trouble soon. <laughs> right. Peter is in Speed Doll ahead of his uh, Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, and Yasmin confides that she's worried that she's not coping. Peter suggests that she attends the meeting, and oddly, Tim's dad doesn't seem up for it because he associates alcoholics with people who drink uh, cheap cider in bus shelters. Yeah, Yasmin fuck says yourself, it'll, Tim's dad. it'll put both their minds at ease, so he has to agree. And yeah, Peter he... seems quite suspicious by this exchange. Yes. Then Michael shows up. He's due to meet Grace and Speeddal uh, when Tim's dad explains that he's a magician. Shows a trick then, says Michael, and at that, Grace appears. And... Seems he's missed Tiana's birthday and he wants to throw her a belated party with Tim's dad doing a magic show. He hasn't missed it intentionally. Let's just put that out there. Grace just forgot to call him when it was her birthday. Right. Yasmin chuckles, calling Tim's dad a bit rusty. He's fucking fuming at this and storms home to practice. So Yasmin is back from the AA meeting. It's opened her eyes that her problems pale in comparison to other people's. In that case, says Tim's dad, let's get on the vino. If she doesn't have a problem, let's have a drink. Oh, I wanted to... Mm-hmm. He pours her a glass and oh. makes her drink it. She takes a sip, but he actually wants her to make all of it. Not the glass, the bottle. Oh. Yep. So later, Yasmin is now pissed and is forced to admit that she does have a problem. And Tim's dad says, well, you she should... She didn't say that she didn't have a problem. She just said other pro- people have it worse. Well, you ah. should listen to me then, says Tim's dad. Then Peter comes to the door to speak with Yasmin, but she's crawled herself upstairs. He spots the wine bottle and Tim's dad tells Peter that the meeting has only served to confirm that she thinks she doesn't have a problem, so she got wired in at the vino. I can handle this from now. And he throws Peter out. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to deal with my drunk wife. Ooh. Oh, I just want to break that bottle over his head, and then when it breaks, stab him repeatedly with it. In the throat? Stab him in the throat with a broken bottle? In the balls. In In the the throat for me, I think. In the balls, because it will hurt more, and it will take him longer to bleed out. That's true. That is true. The throat's too quick. I'm going to have to go for the balls myself, I think. (laughs) Wouldn't be the first time. Right. <laughs> that reminds me of the, that joke I told you in the car the other day. <laughs> your, your Gwyneth Paltrow vagina candle joke. Yes. Yes. 
I feel kind of compelled to tell it now. No, don't. <laughs> Leave a little mystery. Let's just say it has something to do with balls in a face cloth. Okay, on to... <laughs> I don't want to talk about Tim's dad anymore. No, no, let's, nobody does. Let's talk about our penultimate storyline tonight, the McDonald Book Club. <laughs> on Friday, Steve and Tracy have the day off and don't know what to do with themselves. There's one big problem with this storyline. And I'll tell you about it when we get to it. Okay, I look forward to that. Steve suggests going for a drive, but they can't decide where. Tracy reminds him that they have to spend quality time together after the, what the counsellor told them. Steve nips out to run some errands, and they arrange to meet for something to eat later. And Tracy strokes her pussy. She does. Oh, wait, yes. Yes, she does. Yes, and they both pretend that the dog is hiding underneath the coffee table when you and I both know there's no dog in that room. Do we know that? Yes, because if there was a dog in that room, you'd, you'd, you'd see him or you'd hear him. Probably. They're pretending the dog is scared of the little kitty cat and is hiding under the coffee table. They're pretending Rover can fit under the coffee table. <laughs> Rover's quite small. Rover's a bull terrier, isn't he? No, he's a wee Jack Russell. No, no, you're thinking that Jack Russell... No, no. Yeah. Rover's bigger than a... Keep talking. Okay, Steve drops into Dev's and he tells Dev and Peter about the bother he's having with Tracy at the moment. He explains about that since the lesbian dalliance, he's been forced to behave like he's been forced to behave like a couple with his wife, and it doesn't feel right. Then Steve and Tracy end up in the Rovers, and Amy meets them there. Tracy and Steve end up in the Rovers, and Amy meets them there. Tracy is gloating about Tim, and Amy thinks that rather than this, they should be focusing on their own relationship and doing different things, not the same old drinking in the Rovers stuff. Amy doesn't think they're even trying. And Claudia overhears this and uh, sits down with them without being invited and suggests that they come to the book club. Because Amy is there, Steve and Tracy have to agree. Just what a relationship needs, says Tracy. A right good book. So Steve and Tracy are reading their book. It's yes, The Notebook. The Notebook by Nicholas Sparks. Can you imagine Ken in a book club reading Nicholas Sparks books? Yeah, maybe. Really? Ken reading The Notebook? Well, he's not the only person in the book club. No, but they wouldn't be reading The Notebook in a, a book club. In two, in 2020, they would not be reading uh, The Notebook. Oh, I, I haven't read it, so I can't really comment. By Nicholas Sparks, which is basically Dan, the Daniel Steele sort of, you know, schmaltzy romance novel. That's not a Ken Barlow book. Yeah, but it's a Claudia book, so Claudia yeah, wants yeah, to read it. Claudia, it's not a Claudia book either. Liz is pleased to see him uh, make an effort. Steve, who's wearing headphones, thinks it's a great read, but then Tracy discovers that Steve is actually just watching the movie on his phone, hidden yes, by is. the book. He claims he was comparing the two, thinking the movie came first. Quit your cheating, says Tracy, and gives him a kick. And wah, that's wah. how far we get with that yeah, one. Yeah, the notebook was written in 1996. They wouldn't be reading a book that's over 20 years old, in book club. I really don't know why you have such a problem with this. Because it's a shite book. It was a shite movie. So book clubs read shite books all the time. No. The movie was from 2004. Our final storyline tonight. Ooh, there was a Bollywood version. That I'd like to see. As Maria's measles. <sighs> On Monday, Maria's on the couch feeling wiped out. Probably just a cold, she thinks. She gets up to start packing for the trip to Bristol and then she nearly passes out. 
And later on, she's in a bad shape. She's light-headed and she's staggering around. She can't travel like this and Gary wants to take her to see the doctor. But Maria insists that she'll be fine and she ushers Gary off to see Nicola and Zach on his own. When Sarah and Ali are in the street watching Gary packing up his van... and she sp- bring, He brings Jake with him, I think. And they speculate about the cause, thinking that Maria might have come to her senses finally. But she hasn't. She's still sick on the couch and someone's at the door. It's Ali. She hasn't time for this and confirms that Gary hasn't split with her. She says that she has an appointment at the medical centre tomorrow. Thank you very much. Then on Wednesday, Maria is looking and sounding awful when she bumps into Sarah, who attracts Ali's attention and he takes her back into the flat. Ali's chatting about environmental issues with Liam. Sarah comes out of the bathroom with Maria. Mm-hmm. And Maria is bleeding, she says. Maria wonders if she's spotting because she's ill. Maybe, says Ali, but he looks like he kind of thinks that there's something a wee bit more serious is going on here. Yes. We'll get more info at the hospital and Sarah offers to take care of Liam. Which was nice of her. Maria's worried in the treatment room that the situation isn't looking great. The nurse does an ultrasound and, oops, there is no baby. No. The nurse says that she's sorry, but Maria's miscarried. Yeah. So Ali comforts Maria. Maria has a go at Ali about him wanting this to happen. He was telling her a few weeks ago to go and get an abortion. And he kind of holds his head in his hands and apologises and wishes that he could take all that back. And then, which is which is good of him to do. Yep. And then we're reminded that Maria's still sick. She wishes she'd got herself checked out sooner. Ali gives her a quick examination, but not like that, and isn't one hundred percent sure, and goes off to get another doctor for a second opinion. Right, because he looks in her mouth. Right. And you know, and presses her, looks at her belly, and Maria shows her belly off an awful lot this, this week. week. Right. <laughs> So, later, Maria gets a second opinion, which confirms that Ali was right. Maria has a rash in the mouth, which is an early indicator of measles. And when Maria asks if this is what could have caused the miscarriage, Ali thinks that it's highly likely. Maria is devastated and wants to go home. She tells Ali about losing a baby at 30 weeks, that she had to deliver a baby that she knew was dead. And Ali assures her that she'll be okay and kisses her on the pow. Can't imagine... Girl that stood upstairs from home, she had to deliver a really late stillborn, like at 30, 35 weeks or something, had to carry it to term and then ugh, I can't imagine a worse thing going through all that and not having anything at the end of it to to show for it. How awful. Yes. So Ali comes back with meds for Maria, who reveals that she hasn't told Gary yet. She feels guilty and doesn't think that she can find the words to tell him over the phone. Ali encourages Maria to tell Which Gary understandable. he deserves to know, but she can't break his heart like that. She's going to have to tell him face to face. And then we see that Gary sent a text saying that he's going to come home early. And at home, Gary's already home. And he's on the phone to his mum talking about the baby. Maria comes in and tells him about having the measles. Gary's scared from her reaction and how she's looking and asks after the baby. And crying, she tells him that there is no baby. Gary takes in the news, assures Maria that it's not her fault. She tells him that he doesn't have to stay with her through a sense of duty, which is kind of what I was thinking about last week. Yeah. He says that uh, was never the case. He still wants to be a family with her. He says she shouldn't have been there on her own. And she tells him that Ali took her. And he seems to think that that was, that was for the best. Mm-hmm. And he actually does seem to think that's for the best. Yes. Because I thought he was going to fly off the handle about that. No. In the pub, Ryan begs Ali not to get involved with this situation any more than he already is. This is Gary Windass we're talking about after all. Mm-hmm. The supervillain. They leave the pub and run into Gary, because of course they do. 
He holds out his hand and thanks Ali for looking after Maria, and they shake hands. Gary seems to mean it, and when they part ways and Gary's walking off, he sheds a tear as he walks away. So Gary gets home to find Maria looking at the scanned photo. He doesn't think that she should be beating herself up like this. She says that she felt like uh, they were being punished for not being sure, for not planning, and for not protecting her baby from the measles. And she sobs in his arms, and that was pretty... That was a pretty... Yes. ...emotional scene there. Absolutely. On Friday, Maria and Gary are up. She's still contagious, so she can't go out, and doesn't know how she caught it when she got her jabs. She decides to call her mum to talk about it, and he heads off to get some food in. And at Dave's, he bumps into Daniel. Gary explains about the miscarriage, and Daniel offers his condolences until Gary explains that she lost the baby because of catching the measles. And then Daniel's like, oh, yeah, I, have I, to go. I, I, need to, I need to go stand over here for a while. Bye. Mm-hmm. Then Audrey drops in to see Maria, who has learned that Maria and Kirk didn't get their inoculations. Audrey yes. explains that Bertie had the measles, and that's probably where she caught it from. Have you been in contact with Bertie recently? And Maria's like, oh, I don't think so. Well, oh, Yeah, she had a cuddle just last week. She was the one who remember? noticed that Bertie was ill. Yes. Back at the flat, Daniel explains to Bethany that Maria's lost the baby because of Bertie's measles, and he couldn't tell Gary because he's a selfish coward. Correct. Absolutely. Then Gary comes home along with Beth and then Audrey leaves and Maria explains about her not getting her inoculations and she thinks that she caught measles from Bertie. Gary says, well, wait a minute, I saw Daniel just a few minutes ago and he didn't say anything about that. And Beth explains that Daniel hadn't got Bertie his jabs. Right, well. Gary storms off and finds Daniel outside his flat and Gary fucking lamps him right in the face and Daniel seems to go flying back about six feet here. Absolutely. Gary says his baby is dead because of Daniel. He's about to get stunk, stuck in again for round two when he's pulled off by Daniel, but not like that. I'm coming for you, says Gary. Then Bethany rushes Daniel inside. Adam has followed Gary home and threatens him with the police if he touches Daniel again. But again, not like that. Mm-hmm. Maria is shocked to find out what's happened and rightly says that her mum is just as much to blame as Daniel is yes. and asks if Gary's about to go slug her in the chops too. Yikes. Back home, Ken's turned up. Because, yeah, great. Ken will solve everything. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that they should press charges. Daniel thinks he got off lightly and wants to let it go. Bethany tells Daniel not to blame himself and then the others leave. They're both soaked because it was pissing it down earlier and Daniel tells Bethany to stick her clothes in the dryer and go get a shower, which she agrees to do. Mm. That wasn't the wisest move. By either one of them. Daniel sits on the sofa and seems to drift off to sleep. Back at Gary's, he apologises to Maria for hitting Daniel, but he feels really useless that he can't fix things. Some things are just broken, says Maria, and they make up. In the bar, Sarah is worried that there's something going on between Bethany and Daniel. He insists not because the flat is still full of her stuff. For the goodness sake, her dressing gown's even still there. And we kind of saw where that was going at Absolutely. that line. Sarah remains unconvinced. So Daniel wakes up and he thinks he sees Sinead playing with Bertie on the living room floor. And it is, it's Katie McGlynn who's... Comes in. Who can't seem to leave the show no matter how hard she tries. But it's Bethany actually wearing Sinead's house coat. Did you not hear? She's in Los Angeles now. Daniel continues to beat himself up that Maria won't be able to put her baby down to sleep like he just did. Bethany tells him he's a kind person and they kiss. Daniel immediately apologises and Bethany goes to leave but he asks her to stay. He wants to hold her and feel close to her. Okie dokie, says Bethany. <laughs> so that's what they do. And, and that- that's how we end this week's episodes. I can say it every once in a while. 
It just feels weird if I don't say it. I now feel like I really, really want to say it. Do you think Gary has uh, got or enacted the revenge that he's after with Daniel? I think I think Maria calmed him down. And I think Adam threatening to go to the police if he hits him next time has given him pause as well. Because if he gets pulled in by the police, threads are going to get pulled. Oh yeah, maybe. Chins are going to be exposed. <laughs> Surprised it hasn't sprouted yet. <laughs> we haven't gone back to the back to the woods. Back to the woods yet? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe Gary is going to have a vendetta now on Daniel. I don't think he's he doesn't seem the sort of person to let something go as as easily as that. No. Maybe it seems that he has, but maybe. I, don't, I don't think so. And if he does, if he does, he's going to be more subtle the next time. Right, it'll be quiet in a dark alley, or he'll. Mm. Hire somebody to... In the Alley of Doom. In the Alley yes. of Doom, where everybody falls over. Yes. The bodies are all piling up. Mm-hmm. What about uh, Gary and Maria? Are they together for the for the long haul, do you think? It seems like it. It does seem to be sticking. It I don't, does seem I don't... to be sticking. Poor Alley. I can't say that I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that maybe she'd get back together with Ali, But he still has that choker hair, so I don't... He's very much Joaquin Phoenix, isn't he? I thought it was very creepy and inappropriate for him to go up and knock on the door when he and Sarah were thinking that Gary and Maria had split. Yeah. I thought that was very creepy and inappropriate. I'd like I mean, to see I him understand. come down the stairs to a Gary Glitter song. That would have been quite funny. <laughs> Although we don't really, we shouldn't be laughing at Gary Glitter. He's a, he's a very, very evil man. But yeah. yeah, it was terribly inappropriate. Yeah. What about Gary and Ali? Was that shake of the hands or burying of the hatchet? It seemed like it. It was. I was. I was taken aback. I. I was really afraid that he was going to get all mad that Ali had been there. That's what I thought was happening because Gary was walking in that way that Gary tends to walk. Yeah, with kind of the mm-hmm. where he, he leads with one shoulder and then the other with a long coat on. Like he's walking the catwalk, mm-hmm. like this. <laughs> it's blue steel. <laughs> so yeah, it was quite a. Um, it was quite a surprise that yeah. that, that didn't happen, and there was but a. See, bit of this a... is the thing. This is the thing. They keep trying to make Gary a villain, but Gary's not really a villain. Right here was an opportunity because... for him to be totally villainous. Because he has... he's absolutely. I mean, deep, it, he's a villain by accident, mm-hmm. unlike. Oh, I don't know. Tim's dad and Jade. Right. So help me. If they try to rehabilitate Tim's dad. I don't think... I don't know why. This is the second week in a row you've, you've expressed this concern. I will be very angry. That's, it. that's never happening. There's only well, one way that Tim's dad's going to go out of this, and that's in the Rehabilitating Jade. He's going to be in a wooden box. And I don't think they are going to uh, rehabilitate Jade. I don't think Jade's rehabilitated. We agreed on this. Rehabilitated Josh, the rapist. Well, they made him blind. They tried to make him a sympathetic character, but I don't think they rehabilitated him because he was he tried to make still him a doing all the raping. Character. And who else? Oh, and then Kel gets off. Well, that hasn't come to a conclusion yet, I don't think, has it? Although it kind of feels like it's Bernie concluded because Bernie is gone and everybody is, who was telling Paul that he really needed to go to the police and he needed to talk about it and he needed to be honest up. with it are, are now telling him to shut up. So mm-hmm. it feels like... 
that's over now? I don't think that the... Uh... I tell you what, though. It was very cute. Billy and Paul taking care of those babies. That was adorable. That was quite adorable. I loved that. Yeah. I love seeing them together as a couple. It makes me happy. I don't think this... Uh, this uh, thawing off the Cold War between Gary and Ali is going to last very long. Mm. Because I think Ali still wants... Maria. Maria. Because there's nobody else. Right. <laughs> there's nobody else left. And, and Charlie seems to be off limits now because... She fancies Tim, so... Well, and she's also a little old for Allie. And married. Yeah, and Bethany's leaving. Plus she's with Daniel. And too young for Allie, anyway. Yeah. Allie's, what, 28, 29? Let's remember, Allie and Ryan are the same age. Mm-hmm. And Bethany and Ryan were sort of together. Oh, God, that's true. That's icky. Does that icky? That feels it, icky. It doesn't feel that icky to me, but... 19 and 29. Oh, when you put it that way, <laughs> at least they're not in this. At least he's not in their thirties. So many, so many of the "Am I the assholes on Reddit are. Just to explain, there's a there's a Reddit thread called "Am I the asshole?" where people write in, explain their situation, and ask if they're the asshole in this situation, or if the other person is the asshole, or if they're both yes. assholes, or if neither of them are mm-hmm. assholes. And some of them make. I'm sure some of them were made up, but there's kind of yes. eye-opening. And well, a number of th- yeah, and times there's 37-year-old one... men married to yeah. 19-year-old women. And there was one of them mm. in that situation this past week that, you know, the dude was demanding receipts and wanting to know every every oh, little yes. thing that was she Tim's was dad. spending yeah. money on. And, and I, I... Wouldn't it let her buy a... Buy a video game. Right. Hmm. Do you know that one actually got taken down because the uh, pers- the original poster said that she was afraid for her life? Oh, yikes. That, uh, yeah, that one no. was pretty... Yeah, the was... world is a horrible place. Yep. And then we watch Coronation Street. And look at Reddit. <laughs> We're just asking for trouble. But yeah, anyway. I, th- I think Ali's and Gary are probably going to come to blows over Maria or something pretty soon. We need we need to find Ali a go- Maybe Ali and Izzy could get together. Uh, mm, or, that yeah. doesn't work, I don't think. No. Well, I mean... Izzy's Izzy... not a character that gets used. Well, at she all. Does, she does get used, just not well. She hasn't been in for a while either. And nobody, <laughs> nobody's noticed. Or Mary. Mary hasn't been in a while either. <laughs> Mary and Ali. Yeah, that works. <laughs> she only has eyes for Adam. That's true. So. Well, you know, a, a girl can't uh, resist the Scottish accent. I guess not. Uh, what was your moment of the week? Hmm. Oh, I had something in my head and now I can't remember what it was. Was it a funny thing or was it a sad thing? Um. We've had sad things the last little while, haven't we? Oh, no, it was Abby last week, wasn't it, with the fire extinguisher? It was, it, if I remember... Maybe a heartwarming thing? Was there anything that was really heartwarming? Oh, I think it was um, um, Ali and Maria in the... Because uh, that was real. You know, when she's talk- she was talking about her first miscarriage and everything, I thought that was really quite moving. It was. It was very moving. And I thought that they both acted that quite well. I thought she did a very good job. 
So a, a sad thing. My funny suggestion was going to be the scene in the Rovers when Sally comes in and discovers that everybody knows that Tim's a bigamist. That was pretty good too. But who would we give it to in that situation? Is it? Well, it would be everybody. Everyone. That's too many people to tag. Not all of them are on Twitter, though, are they? Yeah, most of them are, I think. Is Jenny on Twitter? Mm-hmm. Sally on Matthews, yep. Huh. I don't know. Oh, let's give it to Maria and, and Ali. I don't, I don't th- think we've ever given it to Maria. I don't think so. We've given it to Ali because remember when he was a superhero and saved Hope from the f- mm-hmm. uh, fiery... Factory. Yeah, I think Ali might have had that a couple of times, but Maria, I don't think I don't think, think has. we've ever given it to Maria. Okay, so Maria recounting her, uh, sorry, miscarriage or no, stillbirth to Ali in the hospital is our moment of the week. Moment of the week? The boring of the moment of the week. Has table two paid their check? Absolutely. That's our <laughs> boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Okay, okay then. Uh, let's wrap this one up. My... It's funny that that's the boring moment of the week, and yet I can still quote it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you've been affected by the Gemma and Chesney's being Photoshop storyline, first of all, how? Second of all, write in to tell us about it. We're the talk of the street at gmail.com for email, for Skype voicemails, and if you want to throw a couple of George Washingtons into our virtual tip jar on PayPal, that's how you can do that. Elsewhere, we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. We will be back next week with more Talk, of, talk the of the Street. street. Cheerio. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today.